This is Closer to the Fire from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada with a focus on the persecuted church around the world. I'm Greg Musselman. Recently, I came across an interview from 35 years ago from 100 Huntley Street. Now, it's a program that I'm currently one of the hosts on. It was of Richard and Sabina Wormbrand, the founders of the Voice of the Martyrs, and the ministry that I've had the privilege of being involved in for more than two decades. You know, every time I hear Pastor Wormbrand's voice or hear him speak like I did on this interview that I recently came across from 100 Huntley Street, and I'm so inspired, you know, as he shares the stories. I mean, this guy was in prison for 14 years, three years of solitary confinement that was in communist Romania, and yet he continued to forgive those that treated him so horribly. The inspiration of this man is amazing, and he has left a great heritage and a vision, you know, not only for us in the Voice of the Martyrs family, but Jesus followers all over the world to be able to speak up for our persecuted brothers and sisters, to pray for them, to help them. And it has just been such an amazing honor to work for this ministry. Now, unfortunately, I never had a chance to actually meet Richard in person, although I feel I know him very well. I've worked on a number of his videos and listened to his sermons and his books are amazing, like Tortured for Christ. But I am grateful that he has left an amazing legacy. And, you know, as we listen and as we watch this interview on 100 Huntley Street, I do believe you too will be inspired. Uh, the interview took place 1988 in downtown Toronto. That's where Huntley Street used to have their studios. Actually, 100 Huntley Street in Toronto. They've since moved to Burlington, Ontario, where the studios are now. But Jim Cantillon and Moira Brown talked to Richard and Sabina Wormbrand. This is a very special segment that we've been looking forward to for some time here. So I've asked Moira to, to join me because we've given lots of time, and I'm interested in Moira's input here as well. Richard Wormbrand is no stranger to many people around the world. Uh, he's written several books. I'm holding here perhaps his most famous book, Over Three Million Copies Sold, Tortured for Christ, uh, a story of 14 years of imprisonment in a Romanian prison, mainly because of his stand against Marxist-Leninism, and the uh, dominating rule of the communist uh, regime in his country. And uh, in writing that book, he suddenly became very, very well known around the world and has written several others. I have one here entitled Alone with God, another one, uh, Christ on the Jewish Road, written by Richard Wormbrandt, who is Jewish as well as a believer in Jesus, From the Lips of Children, 100 Prison Meditations, and Marx and Satan. And these books are available in... Uh, in bookstores, uh, I think many of you have seen them in several bookstores in Canada. And so will you please welcome Dr. Richard and Sabina Wormbrand. Welcome, Dr. Wormbrand. There's so much to talk about, and I was, I was saying to you before the program, I have heard of you so often, and this is the first chance I've had to meet you. And I want you to, to tell me your story. Uh, I know you've told it hundreds and maybe perhaps thousands of times before, but many, many people have yet to hear your story. Uh, simply because it's such a remarkable story, and of course you've written this classic book, Tortured for Christ, about it. Can you just give us a, a sort of a brief overview of your life in a communist prison and why you were there? Well, one day I walked to the church. I was already a pastor. This is in Romania? In Romania, yes. The communists are very at power. And on a Sunday morning I walked to the church. We don't drive to the church because we have no cars. I've never had a car in my life, neither a bicycle. We walked, and then a van of the secret police stopped near me. Four men jumped out of the car and uh, pushed me inside. I was kidnapped. There are no warrants of arrest with us or something like this. And I had to disappear from the face of the earth for 14 years. 
the first thing which occurred to, into my mind in that moment was that the words don't fear occur in the Bible 366 times, once for every day of the year. Hmm. And because there exists extra day of the leap year, it is not 365 times, but 366. <laughs> and I have been kidnapped on the 29th of February. <laughs> and I said to myself, well, I have motives not to fear. Yeah. This day is also covered. And I began to smile. Now, when I began to smile, they got frightened because they had to submit me to interrogations and they believed that I've gone mad. Now, who smiles when the mm. communist kidnapped him? They believed that I had a nervous shock. They asked me, why do you smile, sir? I said, because of the promise which I have. What promise? Do <laughs> <laughs> and since they were very sure that I've gone mad, we had this promise that we don't have to fear. And uh, Jesus is a gentleman. He has told us that we don't have to fear, and he keeps his words. There were nothing to be feared. Now, if I can just uh, ask you this. You were married at the time. Surely. Did you have children? Yeah, I had children. Now, Mrs. Wormbrand, uh, he wasn't fearing. What about you? How did you feel about this? When uh, did, did you know that your husband had been kidnapped, or did how, it take a few days to discover it? How I felt thousands and thousands of women, Christian women, were in the same situation as I was, many times in tears, no possibility of any work because the husband was in prison. The children from the school just thrown out. How I felt at this time, it was a very, very hard time. And very soon afterwards, as the Christian women took the place of the Christian men in church, while the men were put in prisons, the Christian women came forward and took their place in the church. The communists were not prepared for it. When they saw that the Christian women meant it, that they loved the Lord and they worked in the place of the men, very soon thousands of women were arrested and among them, mm. I myself went to prison, but surely not in the same prison. Mm -hmm. In another now, were you prison, able and so years and years we did not know and not see each other. I was going to ask that question. Were you able to communicate at all? Fourteen years we did not know about each other. So you didn't, didn't know if you were alive or dead? No, we knew. She was told officially that I've hanged my prison, myself in prison. They wish to produce in her depression and mm -hmm. uh, melancholy. But I have a little bit to modify what she has said. We don't always feel compassion for a man. You can't feel compassion for everybody. But we have to show compassion. We can't feel always joyous. But we have to, joy, to show our joy in the Lord. She wept and she had the sadness. After eight years in jail, I met for the first time a brother who had been recently arrested and asked him, do you know something about my wife? She had been released in the meantime. I asked, do you know something about my wife? Yes, I have been in your home. I saw your wife. And I asked, what is my wife doing? He said, she smiles and she sings. <laughs> <laughs> there was another side. She also wept and heard her sadness. But she knew it is her duty to show and to communicate to others joy. But in this connection, I wish to tell you one of the most beautiful episodes which I lived while I was in jail. The first years, we were in solitary confinement. But then we were put in big common cells, in a cell with 200 prisoners, perhaps. It was hell on earth. You know. 
dirty and hunger and beatings and whatever you like. Impossible to sleep with 200 in the same room and so on. And uh, they were men of all kinds of categories. They were former generals of the Royal Army and capitalists and professors. And they were rank and file, some peasants, some workers and so on. And uh, we had in our cell a peasant. He knew his Bible well, but except the Bible, he probably had never read a book. And his ambition was to win for Christ a professor of the Royal Academy of Science who was in the same cell. Now, he, he did not know to explain many things. Mm. The professor put questions. He did not know the answers. And he said, sir, I don't know all these things, but I know I walk with Jesus. I talk with Jesus. Go away. The circle of prisoners were around. Go away. What lies do you tell us that you walk with Jesus? Jesus has lived 2,000 years ago in Palestine. If I would show you a globe, you could not point where Palestine is. How can you walk with Jesus? He's dead since 2,000 years. And even as... If it would be as you Christians say that he's somewhere in heaven, the heaven is also far away, millions of light years away. You can't walk with Jesus, you can't talk with Jesus. And he replied, you might be right in your thinking, but I walk with Jesus, I talk with Jesus, I see Jesus. Now the professor was really indignant. You dare to say that you see Jesus? Yes, sir, I see him. Listen, you say that you see Jesus. How does Jesus look to you? Wrathful, indignant, annoyed, bored, indifferent, happy to see you? Or does he sometimes smile to you? Sir, how did you guess? He sometimes smiles to me. Jesus smiles to you? What a stupid thing, he said to all the prisoners around. This man says that Jesus smiles to him. Jesus smiles to you? Yes, he does. Show me how Jesus smiles. I'm 80. That was the most beautiful episode in my life of 80 years. This farmer was very, very ugly, as we all were all very ugly. We were hungry and we were beaten. We were all like scarecrows. Mm-hmm. We were only skins and skin and bone with dark circles around our eyes, and we were unwashed and in this uh, uniform of a prisoner. We were very, very ugly, unimaginably ugly. And his face began to shine. There are pastors in Canada for whom it is difficult to believe the whole Bible. Mm. We can believe the whole of it. We can believe the miracles because we have seen transfigurations as on Mount Tabor. Mm. This man was transfigured. He began to shine, and a gorgeous smile appeared on his face. I'm used to see smiles. My wife smiles much. I'm used to see smiles, but I've never seen such a beautiful smile. There was so much yearning in the smile, and so much compassion for the lost soul whom he had near him, and so much desire to see him saved, and so much love and so much goodness. The whole splendor of heaven was in this smile. And the professor bowed his head and said, Sir, you have seen Jesus. Mm. When I became a Christian, I have been taught every day read a page of the Bible and read every day the life of a saint and of a martyr. I have done it and I do it even now. Mm. And I had read in times of old about all such kinds of happenings. And uh, with some skepticism, was it really so? But now I saw for myself such things, transfigurations, and here was a simple man, but he knew he must have, in his, he must have had in his heart much sadness, 
who knows where his wife was and his mm-hmm. children, and he had been beaten and so on. But he had a task. He had a task to bring in this value of shadow of death the smile of heaven. So whatever happens in my heart, you can't not be troubled. Jesus has been troubled. He tells us, don't be troubled. But he himself has known the trouble. He himself has wept tears. But he knows that he had a task. And he went to the Garden of Gethsemane singing. That's also said. He might have thought about his blessed mother who will weep on the next day at the foot of the cross. He had many motives of sadness. But he had to bring the song of heaven on earth. And I've been in jail, and my wife in her female jail, we've been with men who suffered much. But they knew I have a task to bring the smile of heaven. And they were the comforters. We brought songs there. And uh, we sang in prison every day. Canadian Christians usually sing once a week on Sunday. Now, every bird sings every day. Nightingale larks sing every day. And it's no sense for a Christian to sing only once a week. And we sang being in prison. And we sang being accompanied by musical instruments. The communists have been very nice to us. They know that Christians like it to sing being accompanied by musical instruments. So they give to every one of us a musical instrument. In Canada, you don't get one. No. But we got. <laughs> we got not uh, violins or mandolins, but we got chains at our hands and chains. at our feet. And we could sing with these mm. chains. The day, clink clang, clink clang. The day, clink clang, clink clang, which the Lord has made. Now, this was a day which the Lord has made. A day of beating, a day of torture, a day of hunger, a day of deprivation of everything, of not knowing if you have a wife, if you have a mother, if the children have not died, you knew nothing. But I have a task. I have a task to bring a song in this sad world. Did you feel anger, bitterness about your situation? No, it is very... 14 years is a, is a long it's time. It's a long time. A long time for me. For the communist regime, it's not much. I've been a lucky fellow, only 14 years in jail. Mm. In Red China, Brother Chung Fu Chang is still in jail since 41 years. Mm. And in uh, Albania, the brother Meshkala died just two months ago after 43 years in jail at the age of 84. You pass through different states of heart, you know, but I don't remember, I don't remember ever to have had desire of revenge or hatred. I pitied the communists. I loved them, and I did the little which I could to bring the communists and even torture us to Christ. And I believe that all Christians had these feelings. Dr. Wormbrand, just a few weeks, a few months ago, I was speaking to a conference in Stuttgart, Germany, of pastors 40 years of age and under, and half of them were from Eastern Bloc countries. For some of them, it was their first time in the West. It was an education for me to spend time with them. But they told me something that you've already hinted at just by telling us what happened in that jail. They told us that in communist countries today, there is a very strong and healthy, uh, active church of Jesus Christ growing and baptizing and ministering. Uh, In fact, they said they believed there were more believers behind the Iron Curtain than there were in Western Europe. Now, can you uh, explain why that is? Well, first of all, about the facts. Uh, China, to take this country, before the communists take over, had three and a half million Christians, according to the statistic. You, you, know, you know there's a difference between statistic and yes. being a Christian. But Catholic and Protestants, everybody together who confessed Christ was three and a half million. Now, after 40 years of fierce terror in China, the evangelicals alone are f- 
50 million. 50 million. And the Catholics have grown too. We don't have a figure for them. In Russia, Moskovsky Novosti, which is one of their greatest magazines, like Time in, uh, mm -hmm. in America, has on the front page explosion of religiosity in our country. And they have huge meetings there. Mm. They just don't care about the government. They do it. In my homeland, Romania, also, the churches are jammed. How does it happen? Well, the blood of the martyrs is the seed which makes the church to grow. I've had the privilege of being with martyrs. I've touched martyrs. And it was like the touch of their garment heals. You know. mm. And their faces shone. And the, every word, they were some of them simple men, not theologians and so on. But they had such beautiful words, and even towards their torturers. And love can penetrate as, as uh, radioactive elements penetrate through a wall of lead, you know. So it penetrated this love in their prayers. And a miracle has happened now in communist countries. They believe that they've destroyed Christianity. It is blooming in communist countries nowadays. Moira, you're sitting over there shaking your head and uh, being impressed, I can see, by all that you're hearing here, as I'm sure all of us are. Maybe you have a question you'd like to ask either Dr. or Mrs. Wormbrand. As I sit and listen, it's, it's like reading the biography <laughs> of one of the great saints in our faith. You know, as you're talking, Dr. Wormbrand, I'm thinking of Corey Ten Boom's words. You know, in the deepest, darkest place in her life, and darker than most of us could even imagine, a living hell in a German concentration camp, she said that when she was living, she often wished she could go back, as horrible as it was, because she said never before and never after that experience did she sense God's presence so near or hear his voice so clearly. And you're talking about a royal commission in a horrible place that God entrusted to you a ministry that many could become bitter about, that God would even ask them to endure suffering, such a thing. Suffering offers you two possibilities. In suffering you can become bitter or better. Mm. Mm. And Christians have become better. I will tell you about one. I know we don't have much time. But at a certain moment in jail, I got deadly sick, tuberculosis of the whole surface of both lungs and backbone tuberculosis and so on and so on. And I was near to death, you know. And I had to my right side a pastor, his name was Isku. He had been so beaten and tortured that he was also near to death, near to death. He was young. But uh, he was, he knew where he goes. And he spoke about Christ, about the world of angels, about heaven. He, he, he was happy. He knew where he goes. He was to my right side. To my left side was the communists who had tortured him because the communists put in jail not only Christians and Jews. They put their own communists too. They just hate everybody. And when they have a squabble about I don't know what, then one puts the other in jail and tortures him even to death. And so it happens that the torturer, the communist torturer, was in the same cell with the one whom he had tortured to death, he himself also being tortured to death. And he could not die. During the night he would awake me and say, Pastor, please, a prayer for me. I can't die. I've committed such horrible crimes. And then I saw a scene. It was worthwhile to sit 14 years in prison to see only this one scene as some ascend the Himalayas under great difficulties. But to see the beauty there on the peak, I've been on the peaks. I saw this thing. Mm. And this pastor called two other prisoners, and leaning on their shoulders, slowly, slowly, he passed my bed, 
sit down on the bedside of, the, of his murderer, caressed him when he said, here in America, how thrifty are people with caresses? We don't caress. We rather chide our wives than to caress them. Hmm. By the way, husbands must be caressed too. And who caresses a mother? Who caresses a grandmother? I've seen a man caressing his murderer. Hmm. And he spoke with him such beautiful words. You have been young. You did not know what you do. I have forgiven you from all my heart, and I love you. I say I love you, but he said it like Romeo speaking with Juliet. Really, I mean in love. Mm. I love you from all my heart, and I can assure you that all Christians whom you might have tortured, they all have loved you, and if we who are only human can love like this, the more so Christ, who is Son of God, who has taught us love, how much he loves you. He wishes you to be in heaven with him much more than you wish to be in heaven. Mm. Uh, with him. He wishes to forgive you much more than you wish to be forgiven. He wishes to, for, to, to save you much more than you wish to be saved. You only come back to him. And uh, I overheard in this cell in which there was no possibility of privacy, the murderer confessing all his murders to the murdered. Mm. The murdered telling him about the forgiveness of God. They prayed together. They embraced each other. And then the pastor went back to his bed. They died both the same night. It was a Christmas Eve. A Christmas Eve in which it was not celebrated that 2,000 years ago Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was born he was right on that day. Born evening. right there, the very day that the man died. Just like Jesus with the thieves on one side and the other, and the one saying, Remember me this day in paradise. And I just want to thank the Wormbrands for being here. Again, that interview with Richard and Sabina Wormbrand took place actually at the physical address, 100 Huntley Street in Toronto, back in 1988. And it is just as relevant today as it was back then. In fact, even more so today, as the persecution of the followers of Jesus is getting even more intense. And and as Richard was talking about China at that time, about 50 million Christians, well, it's more than doubled. And the persecution in China is getting even worse under President Xi and a very strong dictatorship and the communist government in that nation. Yet the church continues to grow, but many are suffering. There's arrests and displacement of families and churches being closed down. We need to pray for China and also places like Nigeria, where more than 6,000 believers died for their faith in Jesus last year. Uh, We think of Pakistan, Afghanistan, all over the world where the followers of Jesus are suffering. And I know I can hear the words of Pastor Wormbrand to be praying for those that are suffering for the gospel. And you know, as the co-founders of the Voice of the Martyrs, Pastor Richard and Sabina, they traveled all over the world. They established a network of offices that provide relief for families of martyrs, for those imprisoned for their faith in Jesus. You know, we think of Islamic nations, communist nations, and other places where Christians are persecuted because they love Jesus. But Richard and Sabina, and these are the words I think that I need to hear, we all need to hear, because it was their message. And it was, hate the evil systems, but love your persecutors, love their souls, and try to win them for Christ. Now, Richard did that, so did Sabina. They loved those people that even persecuted them. You know, when uh, he says to, you know, to love your enemies, well, Richard was able to love many of them, and Sabina as well, into the body of Christ and followers of Jesus. Now, Pastor Wormbrand, as you know, wrote a number of books, including Tortured for Christ, which has been translated into more than 70 languages. And Pastor Wormbrand was actually labeled by some Christian leaders as the voice of the underground church and the Iron Curtain Paul. 
And so we at Voice of the Martyrs Canada are so grateful for the legacy that Richard and Sabina left us. And we will continue with God's help to fulfill and be faithful to that vision that they have left us with. And if you'd like more information about this ministry started by the Worm Brands many, many years ago in the 60s, uh, the Voice of the Martyrs, uh, you can get a hold of us at vomcanada.com. That's vomcanada.com. Find out ways that you can be praying for the persecuted church and also to get Richard and Sabina's books, many of them available there. And uh, so we'd appreciate, uh, you know, checking out our website and and praying for the persecuted church and getting the resources to, uh, you know, to keep that vision that Richard and Sabina started to be praying for those and loving those and helping those uh, because of their love for the Lord Jesus. Can I ask you to do me one uh, favor as well? Uh, before we leave, if you could write a review for this podcast uh, or share it with your friends and more people will be praying again for those that are suffering because they love the Lord Jesus Christ. So appreciate that. And again, the website is voncanada.com. And if you'd like to have me or one of our members of our Voice of the Martyrs Canada team speak at your church, please reach out to us. We love and appreciate you. Thank you for your support. And uh, like the Worm Brands, the closer you are to Jesus, the closer you are to the fire.